Two Week Notice Podcast. Sucking city by the ocean. You can taste the seventh grade. Do you think because you chose to? You always. The moment you're supposed to. Of the target set of them all. Through what you're supposed to. Yo, yo, what up, everyone? You are listening to the Two Week Notice Podcast. My name is Dana Bui. Come on. Come on. And, well, that wasn't just me that said, come on. Today, we have a special guest. Well, we have two special guests. But before we get to the main segment of the episode, I have a special guest. Her name is Natalie. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Dana. How are you today? All right, how are you? Pretty good. Where are we today? We're in Florida. Where? Clearwater? Clearwater. Clearwater? Mm-hmm. Cool. That's exciting. It's way too hot. It's terrible. Too hot. Wicked hot. We're in a hotel room in Clearwater, right? Mm-hmm. And I have kidnapped you. Yes. I'm being <laughs> held hostage. <laughs> or is it the other way around? It's all about perspective. You're right. You're right. Mm. So listen, baby, here's the deal. This is a special occasion because today on the podcast, we have Chase Kenobi of... The band Joyce Manor, who we just saw together. You're a big fan of Joyce Manor. Yes, I am. Let's talk about that show. Where was it? Universal? Yes, it was at Universal. You're so shy all of a sudden. No, it was at yeah. Universal. It was our prom date. Yes, it was our prom date. Mm-hmm. And let's see. So we met up. We drank White Claws in the garage. Yep, I got lost at Universal eating gummy worms. Yep. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find your car. Could not find my car. I got my keychain confiscated. Well, don't bring weapons in a fucking Disney World, bruh. It was Universal, so... Same thing. Speak. Hey, we're going to Disney World. Yeah, next week. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be sweet. We're going to Animal Kingdom, and then we're going to see Me Without You on their farewell tour. <laughs> I hate goodbyes. <laughs> and then we're going to go to Epcot and do beers around the world and get wasted. Yes, sir. And then make out. How's that sound? Like in so many different countries. Yeah, we're going to make out around the world. Yeah, we are. I'm looking forward to that. Okay, cool. So, yeah, that's going to be great. But that show was rad. We walked in and we missed Microwave, unfortunately. Who I love. I'm sorry, Nathan. Blame it on me. I got lost. Yeah. See, wow. What and a, then I got stopped by security. Yeah, that's actually true. Mm-hmm. And we drank White Claws. That happened too. Anyway... <laughs> But we walked in just as Mom Jeans was starting. That was super radical. Got a little stoned. Then we saw Joyce Manor. And then I had to leave early. And I was not drunk. And I was definitely not stoned anymore. And then I had to drive all the way to Nashville. (laughs) That sucked a lot. And I got lost trying to leave Universal. But today is good timing also, Natalie, because guess what? What? Joyce Manor just dropped a new record. That's right, they did. And it's super radical. Mm -hmm. And also, if you haven't listened to Joyce Manor, well... (laughs) This is the time to do so. So I played a bunch of their their classic hits, right? I talked to Chase about this. He's like, 
do you want me to play? I was like, do you want me to play, you know, new songs? Like, or what? He's like, dude, whatever you're feeling, man. So what I did was put on some of the classics. And at the very end is a new song from the new record, which is called 40 Ounces to Fresno. And it came out a week ago from today. So it's already out. So just go, go, go listen to it, right? Absolutely. It's so good. It's so good. But before we get into the episode, Natalie, you know what we have to do. We have some sponsors. Yes. Okay, so the first sponsor. This is the newest two-week notice podcast sponsor. The two-week notice podcast is sponsored by Down East Hot Cider, kid. All right? Let me just sip it. Ready? Oh, yeah. That is delicious. This is the blackberry. Have a sip. Excellent. Tell me what you think. Yes, I would love to. Thank you. Yeah, of course. That's all you're getting. Get it's your, excellent cider. Get your own. Okay? <laughs> it is the number one cider in New England and the number two cider in the United States of America. That's amazing. I think it's impressive. And where's it from? Down East. It Well, so it was created up in Maine. Down East, right? Uh-huh. But it's out of Boston. Yeah. Down East had cider, kid. Say it with me. Down East had... I can't even. <laughs> Where are you from? Did I hide my accent. Thank you. you Down East hard cider. Down East had cider, kid. All right. We have another sponsor. www.plugyourholes.com. It's your one-stop shop for body piercings, stretchers, tunnels, gauges and more yeah they have excellent gauges excellent outstanding excellent. Like, the best like little coffin ones and stuff they're so cool yeah you're into that shit i am which scares me i'm about really you. I'm, um, I'm creepy you scare me i know i'm not kidding that's all right okay <laughs> <laughs> now uh for a 15 percent discount at the checkout you just type in the code twn pod six letters smush it all together what's that code twn pod you got it baby mm-hmm. And that's www.plugyourholes.com. All right. And last but not least, Two Week Notice Podcast is proudly brought to you by my favorite and your favorite festival, Natalie. That's where you started stalking me. Yeah. While I was playing cowbell on the song, The Stalker. Whoa. Yeah. And I was like sitting on the wall, just like completely just like oogling over you the whole time. (laughs) I hate you. All (laughs) All right. So today we made this into a little game. Usually it's just me reading off a bunch of bands. But since we both attended last year and are attending this year, what Natalie and I did, we each picked like the 10 bands that we are most excited to see at this year's festival. We don't know what the other person picked. In no particular order. No particular order. So we're going to go back and forth one for one. And we'll see how many in common we have. Okay. Okay? Okay. Ladies first. Ladies first. All right. So the first one I have on my list is Thrice. Okay, yep. I haven't seen them in such a long time, so I'm really stoked on seeing them again. I also have Thrice, so there's one. Uh, I'll go with Poison the Well. Yes, excellent choice. Um, I went with E-Town. You don't, have, um, you don't have Poison the Well? No, no, I didn't put... I'm, I'm stoked about seeing them, but that's not the one that I I don't think this there. is going to work out, Natalie. I know. we got to end this now. But I saw <laughs> E-Town in January, and they put on an awesome show. And so I'm really excited about seeing them again. I also have Newfound Glory. I almost put that on my list, but I went with Stretch Armstrong instead. Because I'm really stoked on seeing Scott do his thing again. Nice. I also have The Story So Far. Sunny Day Real Estate. It's a good choice. I, I put Mom Jeans. Also really good. We just <laughs> saw them though, so I didn't put them on the list. Um, I have Cursive. That's a good one. Because that's also another one I haven't seen in a really I, long time. It's really nostalgic for me. I forgot they were even playing. Exactly. That's sick. I'm really stoked. I also have Anti-Flag. 
Oh, I forgot they were playing. Come out. Oh, so good. I have Mastodon. I have Manchester Orchestra. I'm actually really excited about seeing them as well. I didn't put them on the list. I have Lagwagon as my next one. I also, so I cheated here. I got Andrew Neufeld, and I'm counting that as two. Comeback Kid. As one. Comeback Kid in figure four. Okay, yeah. So yes, because I had to choose between those. You cheated, so you know. I totally whatever. cheated. I have Comeback Kid on here because that was an excellent show last year. And like... That was the show of the weekend. The crowd was amazing for that. It was just so good to see them. I also have Four Years Strong. Also an excellent choice. I have American Nightmare. Oh, and my last one. Because I'm really stoked to see some ska at Furnace Fest, Five Iron Frenzy. Totally forgot about that. I'm really excited about ska this year as well. Like, really stoked. Yeah. I'm going to be skanking, like, everywhere. But stick to your guns is my last one. Oh. And then I, I had some runner-ups, the Red Cord, Quicksand, Lag Wagon, In Flames, American Nightmare, and many more. But you got to draw the line somewhere. Mm-hmm. That so, was a really yeah. difficult, really difficult choice to narrow that down it wasn't easy uh we both struggled and took way longer than we should have but you know what there's something really important just announced today vip tickets Mm -hmm. low uh ticket alert for vip upgrades that's right can you talk about how awesome as a vip you did it last year yes yes talk about it uh it was really good because uh free snacks i'm big on food so that was really cool that i could just go over into the tent for that for free snacks and drinks so I could stay hydrated. Um, and I got to be really close to all the bands that I grew up just listening to. That was amazing. Bathrooms? Oh, that's right. The bathrooms were key. I didn't I didn't part. use a porta potty the entire weekend. There was like those really fancy like trailer ones. Oh yeah. It was pretty cool. Oh yeah. All right. I think that that's it. That's it. That's it. Let's hear it from Chase of that's Joyce it. Manor. Yeah? Yeah. What's your favorite Joyce Manor song? Orange Julius. Orange Julius. Excellent choice. Well, you know what? I'm going to play a song now. It's not Orange Julius, but it goes out to you, Natalie. Today on the podcast, we have Chase Kenobi, guitarist of Joyce Manor. What's up, dude? What's up, Dana? Nice to see you again. Dude, it's great to see you again. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Chilling at my house in Long Beach, California. It's really sunny today. It's really nice. Sick, dude. Now, uh, I'm in Boston, so we're a few hours apart. But, dude, this is an honor, man. Um, I feel like we should just kick it off. Just recap that last tour, man. How sick was that? Oh, it was so fun. First one of ours in, like, I mean, even before 
before the pandemic, we hadn't done like a month long tour for maybe I want to say like a year. Like we always kind of do like a three week sort of thing. But yeah, that was just it felt as soon as I got in the van, I was just like, I was like, I'm back. You know, like it just felt it just felt nice to just be out there again. And all the bands were great. The shows were all so wild and uh, it couldn't have gone better. I have, I have like zero complaints. It was just, yeah, it was just great. What a lineup. Like you kind of mentioned there, dude, just like Microwave, Mom Jeans, Joyce Manor, and of course the story so far. Four very different bands. I was just driving a box truck, man, but it was an honor to like be a part of that. Truly the highlight of my night every night was was watching all four of you bands play in front of pretty much sold out like what was it 95 percent sold out um, like, yeah, it I felt think, like every I show think was there were only like two or three shows that got close but didn't actually sell out but yeah it just which speaks to like how strong the the actual uh, tour package was because every band like had a really uh enthusiastic reaction like every night there was just like an explosion of just applause like after every single song like from start to finish so it was just cool to have kids be super super stoked on on something and for every single band to make sense to people that were going there instead of just like oh what a weird lineup you know it was just like it seemed like it just was a it was just a home run or a grand slam whatever you know grand slam for sure and what made it extra special was like behind the scenes man everybody was cool yeah absolutely like there was no um no weirdness there's just uh you know like there's the usual negotiation of like this guy's like um, a little more shy a little more quiet like i wonder if it's because he hates me or if it's because he's just shy and quiet you know so it's just like a but then like you know aside from everybody being like most people being absolutely outgoing and super nice and welcoming from the get-go like all of those um shy like interactions turned into just great just everybody chilling and it was it was awesome it was just like uh everybody was to be on tour again like there wasn't really anybody that was just like like oh like doing their like weird complaining like taking things for granted you know everybody was just stoked to see a show and stoked to play a show so the vibe was just great i feel like even like venue staff you show up and they're just like how's it going like you know sometimes you go there and it's just like i I think like they're not having been shows or tours for so long you know everybody just missed that environment you know it felt extra special for us because it was kind of our first actual we just kind of felt like we dove in like the deep end you know and just um went back into it i know that story so far and um and mom jeans at least were like had have been touring and mom jeans i think that was the end of months long thing with several of their bands they're in together so so yeah it was cool to just have that be our first thing back out and um it feels so special so it was very special and i noticed at a certain point maybe around like san antonio or tempe or something i could sense that everyone i talked to at least maybe it was in my head but i don't know i I felt it that people realized that was only a handful of shows left Mm -hmm. there's always this moment after like a week into the tour where people start to really click and then there's that moment like a week out when people start getting more friendly like above and beyond because you realize it's coming to an end does that Mm -hmm. make any sense at all totally yeah I would just add that I think that there's somewhere in there there's like a dip in energy when everybody's just like around that like three quarter mark when you're just sort of like oh my god like we've been driving so much like you know and then everything but then yeah like once you kind of get through that and you realize that you actually know everybody on the tour like pretty well or at least have like a good just rapport with everyone I feel like it was the perfect kind of thing where like we all kind of left feeling like we all made friends and you know and we could have gone like for, for longer but it just it ended before you know just anything besides awesome stuff can happen so it was kind of perfect. What was a favorite moment that you had that wasn't related to playing a show? 
show, like maybe a day off or just something cool you did where you got to have time for yourself or something, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, on our day off, I think we were in Virginia. We went to this nice lake and swam and stuff, but that was pretty chill. But it was one of those tours where like uh, the, the best times were at the shows. We had some fun drives. Like we had some where we were just cracking up the whole time. Um, God, like I know we did like some stuff, but for the most part, like the, the drives were, were pretty long. So we kind of had to like really just sort of go for it on our off days. You know, we got to see some old friends in Portland and Seattle and that was pretty awesome. Like I, I just think like the last show was so fun. Everybody was just partying um, and it was it, it was just great, like just great vibes all around so but yeah as far as like like I go like running and stuff so that's nice R running in places like Utah or something where it's just lots of like natural beauty and trails and stuff like that's pretty cool the drive from Utah to Colorado was pretty crazy like through the veil oh I mean you guys did like a whole <laughs> other <Yep>. thing <laughs> yeah I did that in the Penske truck mm -hmm. and at the time I had the story so far as gear because they didn't have their bus yet I had their gear drove from you yeah, that Salt Lake show right. to that private gig with like Ludacris. I drove through the Vail Pass. I think it's the 70, mm -hmm. but it was a, like a blizzard the whole time. Dude, like that was fucked up, man. I went to three yeah. different stores trying to get chains and n oh, nothing yeah. would fit in my tires. So I was like, fuck it, dude. And I just, I just went like, I was driving by tractor trailers, like tipped over. And like, mm -hmm. I was just totally. like, drive slow, homie. Like I had these plans. I was going to go snowboarding, dude. I brought some, my, some snowboard gear mm -hmm. because I had a ski pass that was good at where we were playing but the drive turned went from like you know maybe nine hours or whatever to like 14 hours but it was beautiful <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah, that one was just eventful like because that was like kind of the first um that was the first time we had like a like we had to kind of adapt like tour style because like uh well i mean like we were we're from california i mean the neils are from uh you know our drummer our drummer neil and um our acoustic <laughs> guitar player and backup singer neil they're from places that have snow like chicago and connecticut and so when we were trying to like put on the chains like i was just like i, I was the guy like doing the chains so we had this like wire thing and i thought that when you drove over it it just like collapsed into itself and like automatically went on so we'd spent like 10 minutes just being like i, I don't know man it's not doing anything and then like just in the blizzard um but anyway like that just crossed my mind as something that was like um that was just like a tour thing where it's like oh shit it's like a blizzard so we got to like figure out how to get through this like mountain pass and it ended up being fine we just drove slow and everything but well dude i would have thought the same thing dude i'm from boston man we don't have to put chains on our tires here so i had never i've still have never done that so right yeah i would have thought the same thing you thought i still don't know <laughs> so yeah totally i just thought it was like a spring-loaded like mechanism that like as soon as you went on the tires it like wrapped around them and then, that, and then you drive but but uh yeah makes so, sense um, in my head fuck but yeah i would say just the, the best memories were like from from like the gigs and stuff like you know like th that was kind of the stuff um that i miss doing you know like um we ate some great food we always like like to chill and like go get coffee and get high and chill out you know but the gigs were great the gigs required a lot of like energy and a lot of attention after so long like of not playing and we had two new members so it was so much of our day was just about thinking about like the show you know so. and uh, yeah shout out to the Neils. i love that because i always called them the Neils. i've never heard that spoken out loud oh yeah we also call yeah. them the Neils. I, I hope it doesn't hurt their feelings or make them feel like we don't view them as individuals but um but but yeah we went from having zero Neils to two <laughs> 
Well, my thing is, I don't know any Neils. So, and all of a sudden, there's two of them, and they're true. So yeah, rad. I mean, I feel like everybody feels similarly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love those guys. Yeah. Oh, me too. Having, I, I will say that that was something that added a different and like another fun element to like Matt Barry and I have known each other for so long, and you know, we can chill and laugh and crack each other up all day. But um, but having like two new people who also, I mean, Neil Neil H, our drummer, has been touring with like Lawrence Arms and many other bands like for like a long time and uh, neil b has been in uh he has his own his own band phony and he was in this other band donovan wolfington before that toured a lot so it was just cool to get two different factors like added to the mix and um so it was cool yeah the neils are great and they really uh they really push me at least like as a musician to just be better like live you know because they're both just so solid and um you know it's nice having those guys around that's what it's all about man mm -hmm. now you mentioned running are you like a marathon runner i'd be into it if i had like more time i think but now that touring starting up it would be hard to kind of i mean i, I just don't even know how you would have to train for that but i kind of just run like i ran cross country in high school and i ran like 16 miles like then like that was like the the most i had run i've run the distance of like a half marathon on my own as an adult but i kind of just do it because it's like a you know it's like an easy way to stay in shape it's like nice and meditative and on tour it's kind of the easiest thing for me to do i think uh i can just kind of wake up a little early and you can run anywhere like, you, you don't have to find like a gym or um any of that stuff and you know and obviously when you drink a bunch of beer you start to get all like puffy and everything so it's kind of cool to just sort of feel like you're doing something to start your day off right you know i would run a marathon but i haven't really gotten close to actually having the actual mileage to do it you know you can keep up on tour like i start off strong like in the beginning and then <laughs> once i start getting more tired you just start to kind of crave the extra hour of sleep so i would say i start off doing like maybe every other day and then like by week two, I kind of have to like conserve my energy a bit. So I start doing like maybe twice a week and then try to keep that up. And, you know, if I get like sick or something, I just try to sleep or, you know, but yeah, it's a nice routine to have if you can make it work. But touring in the summer, it's kind of impossible because, you know, if you're in like the southern states running and that kind of shit, I'm just not used to it. Like Phoenix or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think I would try in fucking Phoenix, but like I just mean somewhere like Georgia or something where it's like real just kind of muggy. Yeah. But Phoenix, I don't, I feel like I, I that's probably not advised like <laughs> to, to go on a run. When we were there, it was like early May, not even really in the in the dead of summer or whatever, um, middle of summer. Um, and it was like, what, like 108 or something? And I guess I never thought of that. Like, do people just not run like Phoenix or like Vegas or? I'm sure people like can do it and do do it. But I, I'd imagine that it's more of like a gym kind of place, like more like an air conditioned gym, you know? Yeah, you're right. But, well, um, uh, respect for that, man. Like uh, my dad. I was a marathon runner i used to do like boston marathon and stuff like that but oh, awesome. i i can't i can't <laughs> i hate running dude like i love playing sports and being active but i need like a game you know what i mean yeah totally maybe i'm the opposite like i can do a treadmill before i can go outside for some reason right yeah i'm that's weird i, I feel like i'm the opposite i get super bored when i'm on the treadmill i mean i don't know i i guess if you could like put on like a movie or like tv and uh and just sort of like run and kind of space out not think about it it, it is like incredibly painful but 
but like once you like break through that i think a lot of it a lot of why i was able to break through that mental barrier was that like running cross country it's like a team sport so that's so much more that's so much different than just trying to convince yourself to just go run by yourself for like no reason you know so just having it be something where it's just like okay everybody's going to do it like you know it, it was just easier to, to have it be like a competitive and fun like that that makes sense dude i guess yeah. like anytime i've tried to run outside like the further i run the more i have to run back and i'm like dude fuck this i don't know mm -hmm. running's not for me but i have a lot of respect for it but i would yeah. like to rewind if mm -hmm. you don't mind uh, let's learn about you chase dude like joyce manor is from torrance california is that where you're from that is where i'm from yeah okay so if you don't mind maybe talk about your upbringing how you got into music and when you picked up a guitar if that was sure. the first instrument you played so yeah i grew up in torrance you know i'm i'm 30 so when i was a kid like i was just kind of into like skateboarding and um sports and stuff and um but i, I always like really like music in, in la we have k-rock so that was just a really fun time to just hear all this music that everybody like in la was like excited about or i mean technically like the world like like world famous k-rock but like where it was just it just kind of felt exciting like being a kid driving around my dad's car and listening to k-rock and hearing like like the first bands i really got into were smashing pumpkins and weezer my parents weren't particularly like musical like they're like they both like played instruments but they're not like music wasn't like a huge like part of our household or, or anything like that but you know I, I always was just kind of like intrigued by music and the way guitars like sounded i remember hearing like a the acoustic version of everlong and hearing like the the sound of fingers like sliding on like strings just being like oh weird like like somebody's like playing that and it wasn't until i was like when i was like in fourth fifth grade i was like into skating and like you know riding like bikes and stuff i heard um enema of the state and it was almost like a religious experience my friend had the cd and i like looked at the cd and there's like this nurse on the front i'm just like what the hell like is this and then um but i had heard like 182 but it was just like a, and i was into damn it and i thought it was cool but i, I wasn't like you know invested in like who they were they kind of didn't become who they were until that record and barker joined and everything so hearing that with headphones in like the back of my uh my friend's mom's car on the way to summer camp the way the palm muting sounded like the way like the vocals sounded it uh, like unlocked something like in my head uh just trying to get a stratocaster like i, I was just like okay like now i'm gonna try to figure out how to make it because the songs were like simple and the guys like looked southern californian and it wasn't like smashing pumpkins where they were like at that point like transitioning from like kind of psychedelic looking into like where he started wearing like black leather like pope costumes and stuff you know so and then so that seeing just people that like look like just normal bros that played music that were into skating and like the descendants and stuff it was just like oh cool and then so that was kind of my like intro to that and then um and then i started a band or i started like playing in bands when i was like in sixth grade with uh, my friend mike who his dad was really into like sst stuff and like the weird kind of sst stuff i don't know if you're like familiar with like swa or like dc3 like any of the weird kind of like jazzier like stuff but um he was also into like the minutemen so i just kept digesting that because you know it was before i really knew how to like use napster or how to like download music so it was just like we would just go through his like cds and records and just like kind of whether we liked it or not it wasn't really about that it was just like let's just keep listening to all this weird music and uh <laughs> but yeah then at the same time you know it's just there's so many bands from the south bay where i'm from like black flag descendants like circle jerks red cross so that was all stuff that i started to get into just through hearing like just interviews with like tom de 
long or something where he would talk about Descendants or Jimmy World or something like that. So it was pretty quick. I was not good enough to be in a band. I would go over to my friend's house whose dad had this like weird record collection, listen to music, and then we would just like make our own mutant music like that. Like I, I have no idea how it really like sounded, but it, we were just like in sixth grade and that was just what we did for fun. Then yeah, so I was kind of in bands in middle school that, you know, we just would just play music to make each other laugh and, you know, we would just hang out and do that. I just like liked being in a band from a really from a pretty like young age that was kind of just how I uh, grew to understand like friendships like you know like that's how they meet up with your friends and you be creative and you have fun doing it and you know you like skate around and stuff there were all these other interests that all my friends had like skating and um, normal just kind of Southern California kid stuff I always really liked playing music way more than all of that other stuff so it was nice to have a friend or people that were also into music in the same way at that at that younger age so, so how old were you when you picked up a guitar the first time i'd say probably 10 did you take um, lessons i took lessons from uh, a guy who had really bad carpal tunnel so we couldn't play guitar um so it was at a his name's Paul and, he, and he's awesome. He's like, um, uh, he's really cool. And he's like a really good musician and like composer and stuff. But he taught at the Torrance Cultural Arts Center. And it was just like one of those guitar classes where it was like a room full of kids strumming. And he would just kind of come around and like grab your hand and be like, oh no, like do it like that instead. So that was kind of a weird way to learn. But it, it, it got me excited about guitar and it got me like, it made it like, it was just fun, you know? But I wouldn't say I learned particularly like a ton of like technical ability from the guy who like, couldn't even play guitar. <laughs> you know but he just like had a good ear and he was cool in that you would just ask him to like transcribe something for you so I would ask him like could you like do this like no effect song for me and then he would like write out like the tablature over the weekend and bring it to class and then I would like learn it and then I would like play it in front of the class and then you know and he did that for all the kids so everybody like you know one kid wanted to learn like Wipeout he would do that one kid wanted to learn like I don't know Sweet Child of Mine and so there was he would just constantly like tab things out for kids so that was cool I took lessons from that and I actually kind of hated guitar at first like it was really hard it like hurt a lot and then I remember I was like playing and tuning it and then I broke a string and then I just kind of didn't touch it for like six months I was like okay that's that but, like and so I just got I was just, like easily discouraged I think but a combination of like being in bands whatever weird band you could scrape together when you're like 11 and uh having like a fun guitar teacher who like he made it about you you know I probably could have stood to take a class that was more disciplined and taught me more about theory and everything but that got me just into the idea of just guitar is fun so dude do you think what was his name paul paul yeah do you think he has any idea that he has you know influenced these musicians into someone like yourself who went on to play in like joyce manor or something or is he still around do you know i don't know I um, think about these you things. know i don't know i don't want to get too grim but like i have no idea if he's alive um right. last time i saw him he was working at like a pitch and putt golf course and i think it was just like a city job you know so i think that he worked for the city and then he'd be guitar teacher and then he would like also do that but um but yeah I, I don't know like there's a lot of uh I don't know he taught a lot of he taught a lot of people but I mean I I would certainly tell him like I feel like uh it did leave an impression on me whether I like it or not that was just the first guy who taught me how to play guitar and that's gotta have a lot to do with like my work ethic as a musician and probably like my skills my skills he was a cool dude like he had this band called Ellis um that was like kind of a mothers of invention style rock orchestra I want to say and 
it's just weird trippy shit he was just like kind of a weird uh like a, a weird specific like south bay southern california kind of guy he was cool i like to think it would mean a lot to him you know if he knew because yeah. he probably wanted to play guitar but couldn't anymore so yeah his way of expressing some sort of musicianship was teaching it which mm -hmm. also sounds like it was frustrating for him to do i'm sure yeah right? yeah no it is um it, it is a bit of a, a tragic but sweet thought that maybe he uh you know he was living through these he was nurturing the the creativity of, of all these of all these kids uh, when he couldn't he probably just played his wrist into oblivion you know <laughs> so dude that's cool. that's what it sounded like to me right yeah and yeah, uh, absolutely yeah that, that's a nice way to think about it yeah but dude I, actually i gotta bring up that show shrine auditorium outdoors that was a hometown show for you guys yeah just going totally. back to that tour real quick i, I meant mm -hmm. to bring that up what a show yeah that was it felt nuts because the the shrine is such a legendary place for one thing and the fact that it was just yeah i mean it was just nuts like that like i think it was like what seven like story sold it out at like there were 7,500 people there. Right. Yeah. It was absolutely crazy. Yeah. I'm grateful that we can play uh, big shows at home. I feel like not every band has the privilege of being big in like their hometowns, but it is a specific kind of like pride. We're kind of like, cool. Like, yeah, we're, we're from here. And in some way, like you connect with the people with where you're from. So Dude, yeah. you guys were firing from all cylinders <laughs> on that night. I mean, you did every night you did, but that night was fucking yeah. radical. Dude. I was having fun. It was cool. It was it was, you know, it played like as the sun was kind of going down and stuff. It was, it, it was awesome. It was just good. Uh, it was just a cool scene, you know, like apart from just the show being fun, like just looking out and seeing like the, you know, the Shrine Auditorium and like all the weird like USC architecture and everything. It was just kind of, it was just a trip. And there were like a couple palm trees on the yeah, left side. It, like, yeah, I, I remember that. It was, cool. that it was just like cinematic almost. It was, it was awesome. Yes. Very vivid in my mind. Mm -hmm. That was rad. But yeah, dude, so going back. So let's just go right to a eventually the formation of Joyce Manor, dude. Yeah, um, so it was in a band in high school. It was kind of just like a fast, kind of scrappy punk band with, you know, short songs and everything. Um, and Barry and Matt were in this other band called the uh, the English Work Standard that I I was a fan of and I'd seen them a couple times. And they're and I'm like I'm like five years younger than them. So I was still in high school. And I think they were like maybe fresh out of high school. Maybe a couple of their members were in, but both of those bands broke up. And then Barry and I just started kind of like chatting online. And we were just like, oh, like we should like chill and like jam and stuff. And then we ended up uh, hanging out a couple times, just kind of realizing that we had like a lot um, in common just with how we listen and appreciate music and yeah, just similar taste and uh, just like a similar drive to be in a band. And uh, and so we just started jamming. Like we, we first had like this uh, this weird hardcore band that didn't really work out. And then that just sort of transitioned into us being two acoustic guitars because Barry just started, Barry had all these songs he was like sitting on that he was like um, not sure if they were like really good or not because they were like melodic. And there weren't a ton of like melodic kind of like poppy or like punk bands and pop-up bands and um so it was just kind of like he kind of felt like uh just like i don't know and then but he played he played them for me and like a couple other people he knew and it was just like dude these are like these are awesome and then he kind of like i think just breaking through that like that kind of set him on like a streak of just writing i've always loved his songs like even when i was like um, in high school you know i was like a fan and then um but then he kind of like really found um it's kind of unique like melodic voice pretty quickly and so it was just cool i just felt like kind of lucky to be around it um then yeah then joyce manor's my high school band it, it's been going since then you know so uh matt joined in like 2009 i think when you 
and Barry started forming things. What you talking? Oh eight. Yeah, it was like the end of like two thousand eight, and uh, yeah, yeah, the end of two thousand eight. You mentioned like how you attempted like a hardcore thing for a minute. Who were your hardcore influences? I, I can't speak for Barry, but at that time I was kind of only into like uh, I was really into like DS thirteen and like Charles Bronson, so just more like kind of power violence stuff. I'm not really like a hardcore guy. Like I kind of like it through the the lineage of like punk more so. It was just short songs. No, I don't want to say silly, but had, like stuff that had like a sense of humor to it, you know, like Charles Bronson or something where it's just like, you can tell these guys are like funny and that they like don't take themselves too seriously. And it's just really just rowdy music that sounds like the show would be crazy. Like just like kind of stuff like that. Makes a lot of sense. I said this to you, you know, behind the venues or whatever, like you guys remind me of Piebald in the best way possible and that you guys are a fun band. You know, you drink beers on stage, like you don't mm-hmm. get too fucked up. You guys are fun. And, yeah. and to me, like, and, and your tunes are killer. And to me, that's the perfect combination. Let me expand that last question. Like, who else were you listening to at that time, aside from just hardcore? I kind of was getting back into, like, Weezer. A lot of, like, older records for the first time. Like, no, not the first time, but, like, really listening to them with a critical ear, like, Pet Sounds or something like that. Like, I, I was kind of stony. And I, I'm still pretty stony. But, like, I, I was into, like, Neutral Milk Hotel and, like, Elephant Six stuff. But also, like, when my friends would show me, like, Ceremony shit that came out, I'd be like, this is fucking rules. Like, you know, I liked punk a lot, too. Like, I grew up loving, like, essential stuff, Clash or whatever. But then, yeah, I suppose the transition into Joyce Manor, I was kind of listening to scrappy kind of power violence stuff. Also, weird kind of, like, folky indie rock. And listening to Enem of the State pretty much nonstop since I was, like, seven. And then, like, and then just, like, all that stuff. So, and I feel like it kind of sounds, we haven't really, like, let go of that rough sort of palette of just like you know melodic music that is kind of exciting and um not like sluggish i I feel like songs should be fun i I don't feel like or or rather i'm just not good at really coming up with stuff that's like particularly moody dude all right so where were you like as far as the joyce manor like timeline so you matt and barry right you all together so matt joined in 2009 i was in college for like two semesters so the band kind of continued without me but then i came back summer 2010 i think barry was just writing better and better songs and um he kind of uh crossed over into this this new zone where we were kind of like less pop punk and more kind of just more of like an emo thing like more of just kind of like uh more dissonant chords and he started writing like really cool songs and then when we got like five of those together we recorded it and then we kind of just put that up on the internet and people really loved it so our shows around la started getting like bigger but we would do the thing where we we would play like la long beach anaheim then we eventually like went on a tour like we booked a tour went good and then yeah we just we we didn't have anything in mind like we didn't have like a booking agent or anything like matt was doing a lot of like the booking um barry was doing some too and uh yeah as soon as we got this drummer kurt that was when we just started to sound like so good at practice like we were just like oh my god like we're sounding good and then we recorded our first record which had uh, two songs off of the demo we put out off of the demo our friend Elliot from uh, Touche Amore like showed it to 6131 uh, the guy Joey from 6131 what year are we talking here that is 2010 what year did Uh, you graduate high school 2009 wow 
man. So for you, you're just out of high school. More than like me out of high school. Like I like went to college and like dropped out. Like I was like, you know what? I like being in a band way too much. Like I, I already know what I want to do. Like I, I went to college, like kind of just like, because that's what you do, you know? Same. And, um, yeah. <laughs> and I moved away and it was just kind of a, it was kind of a weird, it was just kind of a weird decision. I just was like, yeah, you know, I always thought I was going to, and then as soon as I got there, I'm like, what the? fuck like am i doing and then and then luckily i i i still had a place like you know i could have just as easily been like uh you know we kind of like moved on we like the new guy yeah so 2010 played that show at chain um, reaction rest in peace chain reaction joey liked it told us he wanted to put out our record we were just like what the fuck like are you serious you just couldn't believe it like because i feel like at a weird point like i'm just so grateful that from like the first initial like good reviews of like the demo until like now it's just been kind of like good news like it's been kind of like exciting stuff happening stuff that like we never expected to happen that was like kind of the first one we were just kind of like that is insane that is awesome so we recorded this album put it out luckily people really liked it because we, we put it out on 6131 which put out like hardcore records so but the people in the hardcore world like around where we live just loved it it really put us on a different level and then our first tour ever was in 2011 i want to say like probably later that year maybe that maybe early 2012 with um that band Lemuria yeah so they asked us to go on tour with them and we just like I, I was working at Jamba Juice at the time Matt was working at Pete's Coffee and Barry is working at uh, Mimi's Cafe so we were just like all right I guess we're doing it and then we used my mom's minivan we had like a roof rack and we took out the middle seats and just had two people in the front two people in the back with all of our amps like just in the middle of us so there's like no leg room and like it was like too uncomfortable to, like wear seat belts yeah I'd say like the first two years of touring like we're, we're in that thing which was kind of awesome like you know it's really good gas mileage um you just i don't know like when you're touring and something like that you turn into like a, a weird unit because you're all kind of like suffering together like in this thing and so we would just show up to shows and just be all weird turning into like weird like mutants on the road and stuff first couple years are like i remember like really fondly like we toured quite a bit in that minivan and then eventually we just had to kind of bump up and you know so things stayed like pretty much the same it's just been kind of a gradual progression you know like I, I would probably have to like really like sit down and try to write down like all of the stuff but from there it's just been a gradual like ascent there's been no moment where we like completely blew up and there's been no moment where we completely like tanked you know god forbid you, we're about to put out a record but you know <laughs> I, I just feel really lucky that every year we're able to play like a little bit bigger of a show in LA and um, like our shows get like a tiny bit bigger it's just nice it's just nice to you know we started off in a minivan and then slowly work your way up and you know the last tour we had like two vans i'm lucky that we that i'm able to look back on everything and then uh i still love madberry so much you know like the, we've we've had like disagreements like just normal like just things like flare up on tour you know but like at, at the end of the day like we all just like we all still hang out like at home you know like it's not i'm never like uh like oh god I've never seen you guys again, you know, like it just, it's never like that. Like we're always just, we're always chilling. It's, it's nice. Dude, it would be weird if you didn't have any disagreements. I mean, that's just, they're your brothers. I mean, it's, it's totally. family. 100%. But I would say even now, like we don't like a, like we had like in the middle period where we're all kind of still figuring it out, still figuring out how to interact with people and how to like have healthy dynamics on the road, you know? But even now, like this last tour, like there wasn't any like weird shit. And um, it was just, it was great. Like, you know, so I feel like we're all adults 
adults now, you know? So I feel like if anything can be taken personally, like we're all good at just giving people the benefit of the doubt, you know, just being like, you know what, maybe they're just kind of tired or pissed off or whatever. It's all good. The, the road does weird things to your brain and you gotta, you gotta catch your friends a break. It's a beautiful thing. And that does take the effort of everyone consciously figuring out how to coexist. Also the history that you have and you put that all together and that translates on stage and you guys have a blast on stage and it shows, man. It, and that sends out into the crowd, man. And um, I don't know if yeah, that makes sense, totally. but it's a beautiful thing. That's for damn sure. I got to ask because you guys recorded Million Dollars to Kill Me in Salem, Massachusetts, which I'm currently in Lynn, Massachusetts, which is right next door to Salem. I have a property in Salem. And also right. we were talking about hardcore. I mean, you recorded mm -hmm. with Kurt Ballou, who yeah. I would put on the Mount Rushmore of hardcore, if you will. Totally. Um, the guy's a legend and uh, at his studio, God City Studio. He's been on the podcast. So I have to ask about your experience in Salem and with Kurt. It was great. He's like, like sonically, like he has such a, I, I wouldn't even say unique. Like I think it's a pretty uh, universally awesome sounding room. Just the fact that he like built a lot of that stuff. And he's just like, when just interacting with him, you're just like, this guy's like a genius sort of like, he just like, he's like a, like just technically, like he's so, um, he has such a, like a brilliant mind technically. And that's not, not really how my brain works. But then at the same time, like he's such an insane guitar player and has kind of outside the box sort of approach to just heavy music. And yeah, Converge recordings that he's done are just some of the most pissed, exhilarating records um, to listen to. So yeah, like working with him, like I almost feel like um, we could have stood to like, maybe like all have leaned into that more, like with the songs we were bringing and with the way he was maybe like envisioning how, like how they should have sounded. Like maybe we could have pushed ourselves to get like more of like the Kurt Ballou thing. But you know what, his contribution to just the the takes and um him and his his just his the, the way he just like his workflow is really cool and it's like it's it's really efficient and i like being in salem i, I liked uh i forget the restaurant's called but he calls it hot fried dave um it's like a really good like a uh, awesome falafel and hummus and we went there all the time went to tavern in the square several times i probably had a beer next to you and didn't even know it i was out <laughs> yeah maybe out in about every day 2016 17 18 totally in salem, yeah, i think sure. this may have been january or february because it was like we got hit with like a with, with, with a storm how long and, were you uh, in town how long uh i think maybe like two and a half weeks i want to say we had to stop a couple uh, sessions because i think kurt lives like outside of town and they just couldn't like the snowplow doesn't really come to where he lives every single day you know but yeah so um it was cool we had never done the thing where you go travel to record and stay in the studio and there are things i liked about it and there are things i really disliked about it i feel like we all need breaks for our ears and just like for ideas and from each other in the studio things in the studio get like tense in like a different way than on the road because you want everybody to like do their best and when something takes like a little bit longer than other things there's like a weird tension that kind of builds up so sometimes when you have a tense day in the studio the last thing you want to do is go upstairs to the apartment you all share and try to watch like Forrest Gump you know it's like it's kind of uh, it, it can be a little it can be a little difficult like it's so instead of like arriving the next day with like a free or like a fresh like perspective on your friends and on just recording and everything like I felt like it was just it was just more of a process of like trying to start each day fresh you know when you lived on site and you weren't at home and you didn't have any sort of like alone time to sort of like reflect on stuff and when you add the fact that we got hit with a nor'easter in the middle of all that we were really like shining style for a few days you know just like cooking soup 
watching TV, like not able to record, didn't really want to play guitar, didn't want to do anything. So, but it was cool. I, I like the way that record came out. It wouldn't have come out any other way. It sounds how it felt to make it like any other record, you know? I'm super biased, but you know, I've traveled Europe. I've been to like, I don't know, 30 something countries. So I haven't been all around the world, but I've been to some places. Mm -hmm. I'm from here, which is what makes me biased. But Salem is just like maybe my favorite city like ever. It's cool, man. I, I mean, I, I like the way it looks. I like just new the way New England looks and feels. I like the seafood aspect of it. But I, I don't really feel like I can comment on Salem because we were there in the off season. So a lot of stuff was closed. Like a lot of the normal like Salem stuff, all the spooky witch stuff, all the seafood fest, like that part of it. So it was kind of like, it kind of felt like a little deserted. I just like being in a little town like that. It's cool. I think you went at the best time, mm. truthfully, because, you know, I, I don't know, from like maybe April or May, like as soon as the weather gets nice, all the way through Halloween, it's like a shit show. Oh, it's um, just filled with tourists and... Yeah, and like my favorite times to be in Salem are the times you're talking about. I love, like I lived a little bit on the outskirts of downtown. I loved walking from my place, maybe a 10 minute walk to like downtown to like the bar you're talking about, you know, um, yeah. it's closed now. What was it? Uh, Tavern in the Square or whatever. It's, the history, yeah, it's man, it's one of the oldest cities in the country, you know, and, and it it's does cool. have its really dark history, which is weird because they celebrate it now but it's like really fucked up if you like look into it yeah like, totally if you were a woman like you know whatever three four hundred years ago you would get hung just because you're a woman or something like it was really fucked up uh, absolutely yeah <laughs> but then they have like a bewitched statue you. but i don't know i do yeah. love it no i feel no i uh i it's a cute place it's it's also just one of those kind of there aren't a ton me personally like growing up in california we don't have that kind of like cool old town you know like there's like some old bars and stuff but like the actual like brick sort of you know paved vibe of new england is so uh, it's so cool it's so calming for some reason i really like it whenever people are like oh i'm coming to boston for the first time what should i do i always tell them hop on the train and go to salem it's like nice. you know like a 20 minute train ride easy to get to and you get off the train and you walk to all the shit we've been talking about i have a selfish question okay that I didn't have the balls to ask you guys or bring up in general on tour. Dude, I so badly wanted to play the tambourine for the last 20 seconds of last You Heard of Me. Oh, yeah. that Dude, that's cool. You should have asked. We don't have one, but uh, but you probably, we probably could have found one. Dude, I would have um, I would have found one. I love tambourine. Whenever we can just shoehorn it into a song, I'm so stoked. <laughs> it's, it's nice. <laughs> I'll crush it, though. I'll tell you that. I will crush it. Oh, I believe it. you, man. Yeah. Um, I saw on Instagram today, maybe you can speak to this, Burger Lords has a Joyce Manor vegan California burrito. Oh, yeah. It's really good. It's a cool um, it's a cool collaboration that um, Matt lives near um, a, a Burger Lords location. So he, he goes in there and kind of chats with them. I think he became friends with um, the people who run it. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's cool. And, and they do collapse with other bands, too. So it just sounded sounded perfect like we all love california burritos and it just sound, kind of sounded cool to have like a cheap small menu item you know with like a hot sauce and uh yeah it's good the guy who um the guy who made it is like he did a great job like there's a really nice like crema on it it's just it's it's cool are you vegan i am not but i did okay. what, um what was the place at the los angeles show there was a, a food truck that had those um impossible oh uh, monty's monty's dude shout out to monty's yeah. that was like the most amazing thing i ate maybe on that that tour if i think oh, about sick. It. it was incredible yeah. I, why are you vegan no i'm not yeah but uh no it's delicious uh, i'm not cool 
Yeah, I've been to Monty's before, and, and, and it was good. I actually never had the Burger Lord's vegan patty, but I loved um, I loved the burrito and uh, and other stuff I've had from Burger Lord's before. Cool. But yeah, it's cool. Stoked for that. They're super sweet people. It's a cool, non-like pretentious uh, item to collab on. You know, like I'm glad we're not doing like a you know like a sneaker or something. You know, like it's kind of it's kind of nice to have just like a a, a tasty burrito. <laughs> Yeah, in your honor, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, it, you know, it, we're from California. It's like foil wrap burrito is just something I've been having since I was like a little ass kid. So it's cool to it's cool to have that match up aesthetically, too. That's perfect, man. All right, mm-hmm. three questions, and then I'd love to talk about the new record. Of course. Anything else you want to plug? Biggest challenge that you have had to overcome as a musician and or Joyce Manor as a band? Hmm. I mean, I think, uh, you know, a, a, a big part of our band was just like sounding good live was... Was, um, was always kind of something that was really, really hard. For me personally, like I had a lot of bad habits from touring and I kind of just stopped really practicing at home and trying to like work on like becoming a better guitarist outside of the context of playing shows. And so I think that the, just having the discipline to really like take time and, you know, like look at your, all these weird flaws you develop from like years of touring and like just like with tempo and like with like just, I don't know, like, just after a while, like you tour enough, like you start blowing through your songs and you start like just trying kind of like like comedians talk about how they do it if they don't like record their sets and like keep good track like eventually they'll just start going like and then there's no the like nothing works the same so i feel like the same kind of thing happens when you just play the songs over and over and over again you start to kind of you stop like treating them as songs and more like just things you have to like kind of just push through and finish you know just I feel like five years ago we all kind of had to take like a hard look at um at just how like we can just kind of step it up live you know like you you tour with a couple bands that you show up and you just feel like they blow you out of the water like every single night it, it begins to like kind of weigh on you and so I feel like getting all on the same page about like being more disciplined about stuff and it's mostly I can only really speak for myself you know like Barry works so hard on his voice and his his whole his whole like reason for like anything he does is to like develop himself as like a performer and like a songwriter he's really disciplined and he's um but i feel like just watching him become that kind of like a uh, musician and also having like other musicians like you know our, our last drummer pat was like like one of the first like really good musicians we ever had in our band so he kind of made me feel lazy and he kind of made me feel like i wasn't really giving it my all and even more so like we were talking about earlier like the neils like they are so so not only naturally gifted but they're very um they just don't fuck up like and i i don't really have that luxury like i, I get kind of nervous still you know sometimes like there's moments of like pressure like on stage where it's like just the guitar where i'll be like oh, you know so there's it's just like a matter of you know i feel like that was kind of the hardest part was like it's easy to get like five years into like touring and just want to coast and just be like okay you know what anything i do is good because i'm doing it and i don't need to really like develop or just progress you know so I think having to really take a hard look at myself and realize in all the ways that I'd been kind of slacking as a musician when I kind of compared myself to other bands or other people in my band that was a difficult thing but I'm just happy that everybody in my band is like open enough to give people the room to work on stuff that we all know that you're kind of slacking on you know so I think just treating it like it's a job while still having fun but you just don't I just don't want to like fuck up like I love music too much to play it poorly and to be half-assed about it and that was something that I kind of had to really 
like with a critical eye analyze just how lazy my kind of just work ethic and practicing I'd become. And I feel like everybody probably goes through something like that, but that was it for me. I feel like um, so much stuff has gone right. There haven't been any real like tests or trials or anything, you know, everything else is, is all good. Was there an aha moment or a specific tour or a specific band? Cause you mentioned like, oh man, like I would tour with this band. And- uh, yeah, there was, I mean, there were a few, there were a few kind of like shows where I felt kind of like humiliated because I felt like I didn't do a good job or, or one of my bandmates would say like, you know, I was kind of like kind of fucking up a little bit. But I think the moment where we were all kind of together, we was when we were playing a show in, in, in Monterey, Mexico, and we were at this bar and this three piece band that was just like, I think it was just bass guitar, accordion and bongos. And they were all harmonizing together and playing just beautifully. And there wasn't like, it wasn't loud. It wasn't crazy. It was just anybody with ears would be like, this is beautiful. And that was when we were kind of like, oh, like these people are human beings. Like it's just, we can like do this. Like we can like level up as a band to be the kind of, or to try to just aspire to be the sort of band that's just ear turning to someone who has no idea who you are, you know? Cause that's what we had. Like as soon as this, this, um, this Mexican band just started playing, like I think they're playing like reggae songs. They were just unreal. Like the bass player was like singing and like shredding at the same time. And we were just like, oh my God, this band is so much better than us. And we're like traveling like internationally. And it was just kind of like a weird, like, but positive rude awakening. Like just like, oh, you just got to work at it. You know, like it's, you can't just like get too comfortable with your success and not continue to push yourself because if you think about it, like you really try before you have any success and you really like push yourself. So yeah, to let like a little bit of uh, good fortune in your career or a lot of good fortune in your career, like stop you from having a relationship with like your instrument or how you perform, you know, it's like, it's, I've, I've just learned that for myself, it's kind of unacceptable and I'm pretty unhappy when I feel, when I'm going into a tour and I feel like I haven't been playing guitar, you know? So yeah, that was kind of a moment watching this reggae band in Mexico just absolutely shred. And I was just like three beers deep, just like, oh my God. <laughs> like we were just like, could not believe how good this band was. That's fucking rad, man. All right. Joyce Manor is on, just let's pretend for a sec. You can set up maybe like a pavilion style tour, right? Mm -hmm. It's Joyce Manor and five other bands, dead or alive, active or inactive, just based on like who you'd love to see every night. Pick five. Yeah. I mean, I feel like all the bands I would love to see every night wouldn't necessarily fit on Joyce Manor, Bill, but um, I would love to see like, I mean, I don't know. You know, this band, Algernon Cadwallader, who just got back together or who just decide who just announced like a reunion tour they're old buddies of ours like that would be a band i would have put in the inactive but absolutely on that show that's algernon cadwallader there's this band from where we're from who were pretty influential to to i guess barry and i they're called late joshua no one knows who they are except we met these kids in new zealand who heard them on a comp one time um which was weird but they're like amazing like i saw their re like reunion show a while ago i feel like that would just be fun throw them on there i would love to play with the muffs i feel like that would have been fun to do that three two more i think of some more people who passed away i don't know um there's no wrong answer it could be fucking yeah. led zeppelin it could be fucking, i mean let's know. throw led zeppelin on there i mean why not <laughs> <laughs> like, that'd be fucking sick <laughs> and uh right. 
Yeah, and, and I would, uh, and I would see. Uh, it would be awesome to see that band, The Laws. They did "There She Goes," and they kind of have like a weird, like Lee Mavers is kind of like a reclusive, like songwriter. Doesn't like they've gotten together. They've gotten back together a few times, but yeah, they have that one record, and I haven't really had much of a um, like a public career since. But I think I feel like that would be awesome. I love it, man. All right, dude. If you could give advice to a younger version of yourself, or maybe you know an upcoming musician, or, or um, pitfalls to avoid. What would it be just don't if you can help it try to be in a band you care about like try to be in a band that um that you know like there's a lot there, there's nothing wrong with being like a like someone who can just join bands and some kind of like go in and out because they're a really skilled musician but i just think that the most fulfilling thing in my life has been you know just having something that you feel like you built in some way that's creative and is expressive of yourself and i've got two amazing friends from it and um who will be my friends forever and I think that's because we all care about it. We all care about each other and we all like did it because it was fun to do. And we weren't like, we, we didn't go into it with a careerist mentality. We just, we just love playing music. And I feel like as long as you have that, it's, it's better. I think it's better to have that relationship with music. And even if you have to do something else for money, than it is to maybe be in a band who you really don't like. Like, I, I, I just feel like you should just respect yourself and music and you should like work to do things that you like because people don't want to see someone up there who doesn't fucking like their job it's like the coolest thing you could possibly do and so to do it like with a bad attitude is just it's so um it's so hard for me to understand yeah i guess that's just my advice is just like just try to do things if, if you're going to be in a band make sure you really care about it and you put your heart into it because like that's the only way you should operate you know gotta respect the craft exactly. all right man yo new record june 10th which means it just came out a few days ago 40 ounces to fresno talk about it uh yeah it's um first record in i want to say four years yeah it's fun to make it's all i can really say about it like i I'm really proud of it. Like, I'm not positive that everybody's going to be as stoked on it, but st stoked about it as I am, as it always goes. But um, incredibly fun to make. I feel like uh, it's kind of weird because two of the songs, two of the songs are pretty old and we just kind of had them like floating around. But it fits in a way that has really grown on me the longer we've kind of like sat on it and I've had time to spend with it. So, yeah, it's always it's always a little nerve wracking putting out a record, but I feel the most like uh, just uh, just at peace with how this one's sounds and, and i had a great time making it too so it's all good memories you need a hype man you guys yeah. are playing gotta let it go all tour which is a killer tune uh don't try has been out for a minute also a killer tune right we're hyping this a few days before the record comes out so i haven't heard the rest yet but i can't wait to hear it but right technically it came out a few days ago by the time people hear this mm -hmm. and i'm stoked on it i know you're stoked on it you're being humble because you're a humble guy and a gentleman um, <laughs> Try to be. thank you dude yeah go check out 40 ounces to fresno and also a big headlining tour coming up yeah with uh citizen prince daddy and the hyena and phony in august love it anything else you want to hype at this time not really i'm stoked to play with the bouncing souls in july it's gonna be great it's about it man Fuck yeah, dude. Um, if Joyce Manor is coming through your town, do not sleep on that show. You guys bring it. My favorite thing, I don't know what it is about it. All your songs, I don't think you have one song more than like two and a half minutes and you just like, like you somehow fit like almost 20 songs in like a 35 minute set and it's just, whatever you guys do, it's perfect for, for my liking. Thanks, man. Chase, thank you so much for your time. You're a gentleman. Well, I appreciate you. Appreciate you too, man. Take Thanks, care of yourself. Man. I'll see you in Boston when you come through. Hit me up. I will. We'll chill. I'll see you soon, dude. All right, man. Take care.
found myself down at the Arab bar For the second time this year Wrote my song down, gave it to the guy This one up, baby. You gotta say, baby. Baby. Come on. Come on. Oh, come on. I'm terrible at come it. Come on. I'm terrible at come it. On. Come on. Come <laughs> on. better. All right. How awesome is Chase? Isn't he just the best? Such a sweetheart. He really is. And a gentleman. So thank you, Chase. We love you, Joyce Manor. Check out the new record, 40 Ounces to Fresno. Check them out on a headlining tour coming up this August. It's going to be yes. super radical. They are probably coming to a city near you. They're playing a lot of the same venues that the story so far just headlined. Mm-hmm. It's a U.S. tour. Yeah, they're playing one of my favorite venues down here, which I won't be down here for, but they'll be at Janus. At Janus. Mm-hmm. There you go. Catch them at Janus here in St. Petersburg, Florida. Mm-hmm. Also, I need to mention, if you like the podcast, they got to give me five stars, right? Yeah. In a written review. You haven't even done that yet. I did. Give me that phone. BS. <laughs> yeah, let me see. Uh, no, hit me with five stars. If you have an iPhone in particular, a five-star written review goes a long way. Also, five stars on Spotify if you don't have an iPhone. So no excuses. Right, Natalie? Right. Zero excuses. All right. Now we're going to close this out. All the previous songs have been like old classic hits by Joyce Manor. This is a new one. It's called Don't Try, and it's fucking sick. Go listen to their new music. All right? Peace. Nice. Excellent.